welcome to the debates of the geopolitical people. Today, we introduce a new format, which will create a space for conversation where we will be debating on different interesting subjects. Our goal is to spark your attention for the topics and help you create an opinion of your own through listening to different perspectives. You may agree or disagree with us, what we hope will enrich the debate around some of the most prevalent issues in international politics. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Geopolitical Pickle. Today with me I have Alex Perry, our regular participant, member also of the Geopolitical Pickle and a master in Indian politics. How are you doing today, Alex? I'm doing good, thank you for having me. Nice to have you. Uh, as always, I'll have my colleague Ronan Worsworth. He doesn't need a presentation. He talks a lot every time. How you yeah. doing, Ronan? All good? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Well, great. Since no one else will ask you, I'll, I'll ask you how you're <laughs> thank doing. Thank you, thank you. No, no, no. I'm doing, I'm doing fine. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Um, today, for, for our uh, set of conversations, we'll have Federico Caprari. He's an intelligence analyst from the private sector, has been covering the Russian invasion to Ukraine even before it happened and it's been monitoring the Swiss-Finnish accession into NATO, which is interesting because that's exactly what's going to be our our topic today. How are you doing, Fede? All good, Juanfrey. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for coming. It's lovely to have you. So, well, guys, today we're going to start talking about a topic that touches some of us uh, really, really closely, especially because where we live right now and uh, because of how we develop our career, which is the Swedish and... Uh, Finnish accession into NATO. Just uh, as a sort of reminder, Sweden and Finland applied to join NATO back in May this year, May 2022. It's a process that encountered uh, several issues, obviously a response from the Russian Federation, uh, then problems that entailed uh, security issues between uh, Norway, sorry, between Finland, Sweden and uh, Turkey as a member of NATO. Uh, there's been many talks on the topic, whether if it's uh, good, whether if it's bad. We'll debate it. We'll debate about it today. And where I would like to start... Even within the two countries, I would say, within Sweden and Finland, mm -hmm. there's been lots of talk because it goes exactly. against what a century's tradition of neutrality for both countries. It is interesting. It is interesting because both countries uh, have been neutral since World War II. Uh, Finland in particular has several agreements to become neutral. And uh, this is a historical change in their position where even in in some in some polls at the beginning of the year or at the end of uh, or at the end of the year 2021 the population of finland was not that prone to join nato less than 30% if i'm not if i'm correct I think so, of the yeah. people thought that joining nato would be something good for the country whereas uh, by may uh, 2022 uh, april 2022 that percentage rose up to uh, 70% after the russian invasion of uh, of ukraine So uh, the first question that I would like to ask you in this sense is uh, what are your overall uh, thoughts on this issue? Because when, he, when, when we first heard about it, it was a little bit of a shock. I remember we had a talk and it was like, who's going to play for NATO now? Austria. And it was like, ha ha ha, but <laughs> still a historical, still a historical uh, neutral country. So what are your, your thoughts about this issue? More or less widely and then we'll go to the conversation. Just please, Fede. Thank you, Juanfrey. So... I think it's a good and a positive development, especially for NATO. At the end of the day, this enlargement is something that comes almost as a natural process, considering that Finland, especially, already had a lot of experiences working with NATO armies in the past, had done like joint exercises, etc. 
So I think it was a question of time and uh, if we think about the way that Finland was approaching the West, uh, for instance Europe and uh, also cooperating with Western militaries, it's always based on the opportunity that they have. And I think they found out the best opportunity for really joining NATO um, compared to previous times where, as you correctly mentioned, the population was not so inclined and I think it would have triggered a more aggressive response uh, from Russia towards them. So for that you are, uh, well, do you believe that uh, without the Russian uh, without the Russian invasion, the accession of uh, Norway and Sweden would have not happened maybe? Finland. 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 Sorry, sorry, I was yeah. saying, sorry, Finland. To be honest, I think if it happened, it would have taken us many, many, many more years. Mm. So it was a really, it was a really very narrow window that they have opportunity here and they really took it in this regard. So, yeah. Thank you very much. Alex? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I would say I'm not really like super for it. I don't think it's a great idea. I don't think it's a terrible idea. I'm just skeptical. Like if this is a response to what Russia did, but we have to... Remember, this is a long-term agreement that's going to have effects even once this war is over. And I think if you're just thinking about it as a response to what Russia did, then that was the wrong reason for them to join. Interesting. So do you perceive that a, a permanent decision as this kind uh, might have not been the, the, the right one because of a temporality of the invasion and the situation with Russia in that sense? Yes, I think they did it kind of as a symbolic move. And for that, it's fine. Like we said, I mean, they've been doing lots of actions with NATO. I don't think it really changes anything dramatically. Hmm. But if you do something that's serious with militaries as a symbolic move, you have to understand that there could be like future problems. Yeah, in that sense, I would like to, to remember, well, to remember or to tell the people in the audience, Finland has already, both Finland and Sweden, have already been purchasing NATO caliber, for example, since the 90s, have already been uh, developing military exercises with NATO countries uh, in several regions in the world. So it is, uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's an alliance that it's formalized uh, or that is being formalized because uh, the process is still not finished, but it was a de facto an alliance. So It is something that uh, we could we could recall. Ronan, what do you think? Well, I actually I agree with Fede a lot here. I think uh, basically, as you say, it's strengthening existing relationships. They're both already EU members, so they have this strong military relationship within the EU anyway. Um, there's already defense clauses within that. And I think Sweden and Finland have both been long-term Western allies, so... They're go both going to be beneficial. So from NATO's perspective, it really makes sense to accept them into the alliance. They're both a very high-functioning democracies with good expenditure on military, strong militaries. And then from their perspective, they want the security guarantees that's provided by NATO when they look at a neighbor, which would have been unprecedented even a year ago that Russia could invade a neighbor mm. in the scale and, and to the extent at which we've seen. So... I think from both for both parties, to me, it makes perfect sense. I understand your point that it uh, took a bit of a catalyst like the Russian. It can be seen as a snap response to that. But I think that actually just speaks to the moment because of the both countries' populations being historically anti-alliance, anti-war, and having that neutrality. 
And so it wouldn't have been a popular decision for any government. Even if it made sense, they wouldn't have been able to pass it through the government. So they actually are just seizing this opportunity to do which, what is actually logical for the government, but may not have been popular previously. I would like to touch <coughs> upon two, two, two things. First of all is what are both these countries going to bring to NATO and what uh, is NATO going to bring to them. So I would like to start actually before from the second question because um, of what you were mentioning, Ronan, what we've all more or less mentioned, Finland and Sweden are already part of the European Union and the European Union has a mutual defense clause. This mutual defense clause, however, only says that in case of a EU country being victim of an armed aggression in its territory, the other EU countries have an obligation to aid and assist it by all the means in their power. This is not exactly a mutual, uh, this is not exactly as in NATO where in, uh, in Article 5, uh, there, it's an attack on, on the entire alliance. This entails that the rest, of the, the rest of the European Union would aid and assist Finland in case of an invasion, but it's not the same. So my question here is how do you think uh, the accession in NATO changes the the defense system that Swe that Finland and Sweden have and well the, the my biggest question is do you think it's it will make much of a difference or in the case of not having joined NATO Finland and Sweden would have uh, still been covered because of being covered by the EU and also because of their proximity with the other countries that's a good question and I think I and we we should separate I think two key issues so if we take like on a military operational perspective even if Finland didn't join NATO, for instance, and they were invaded by Russia tomorrow, it would have been a very hard invasion. And with the EU assistance that you mentioned in the clause and everything, they could have really sustained it very well and developed it very well. But I think the important part here is not so much about the military operational perspectives, but rather the political side. Mm -hmm. You know, There's a very big interest both from Finland and Sweden, and as well to, as, as NATO, sorry, to really get together closer, to really expand the alliance, to really strengthen it a little bit. Why is it important for NATO? We have some members that really, uh, actually most of them, they don't really reach the target of 2% of mm -hmm. military expenditure. You know, It was an alliance that before the war in Ukraine was really decadent. And we had to think about Afghanistan in this regard. You know, mm -hmm. How I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and correctly later, the president of France said, it is brain dead almost. You know? Yes, yes, yes. So it completely was almost senseless until the war in Ukraine happened. Yeah, it seemed that we went in six months, we went from, well, NATO is disappearing to, oh my God, NATO suddenly. We need NATO. And maybe, stronger yeah. than ever. Like, it was what, interesting yeah. that Trump was actually a big promoter of trying yeah, to get countries a, to spend up to their rec mm -hmm, NATO requirements exactly. their budget. Uh, so it's really having a very motivational new apartment into the alliance that will really improve it. Of course, for, for Finland, it adds an extra layer of guarantees for their own security with Article 5, as you say, where one attack is against the, all of the members of the alliance. And the European one is very useful and everything. But as I say, on a military operational perspective, it is not feasible nowadays of Russia invading mm -hmm. Finland or Sweden. But the extra guarantees are always good, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. What is your where is your take in that sense? How do you how do you think it's gonna act? Because for example, I think one of the most important parts is the symbolical act of being part of NATO. And with this, I would like to get into uh, uh, a little bit farther if you want. But if you want now, uh, Russia has been saying that NATO has approached its borders, that NATO has enlarged. Uh, 
uh, that this goes against some verbal agreements that uh, that the the original Russian Federation after the fall of the Soviet Union had with the with NATO, blah blah blah. Claimed uh, some claimed. However, do you see this enlargement as NATO is enlarging itself, or are countries feeling the need of allying with NATO because of a, of a perception of threat from Russia? Because it's not like NATO has pushed any country to to or has decouped uh, or has cooked a state to to put a NATO favorable uh, uh, government. Is that these two in particular, both Finland and Sweden, have individually and collectively voluntarily, vo voluntarily decided to. to I must start very briefly here. Uh, just one thing that you mentioned. So it is not a narrative that I agree, but the Russian narrative says that Ukraine, for instance, what happened with the Euromaidan was a coup, actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, because of that, the, the current government is not legitimate and the approach of NATO is not valid at all. So mm -hmm. this is the Russian narrative, and I think it's important to, to consider. Um, in my own personal opinion, I align more for the second part of the explanation. So countries that used to be in the Eastern Bloc feel threatened by Russia and they actively seek to join NATO. I think the best example here is the Baltic states, mm -hmm. right? So they could totally have a military alliance with Russia or some agreements like Kazakhstan, for instance, or other countries like, such as Belarus. Mm -hmm. But in these regards, they actively choose to approach the West. They actively choose to join NATO. And what are the benefits for the rest of the alliance, let's say the United States, of having Estonia? Well, honestly, not so many, right? Mm -hmm. But Estonia benefits way more from that. Mm -hmm. And I think this, uh, from the Russian side, though, is, it's, very, it's, very, it's very common to say, like, we are surrounded by NATO. We are mm -hmm. not the threat. But actually, it's like, all right, but the people that are joining NATO, it's because they don't trust you. They don't feel safe. But, I mean, I think it is, like, from the Russian perspective, and I think kind of like these countries are joining nato and the only time that they would really use nato is against russia mm -hmm. like finland doesn't is not worried about any other countries so i think you can see how russia perceives this as aggressive because it's really specifically targeted at them i mean it's their actions that brought it about but still at the end of the day it can be seen as an act of aggression still the purpose of nato since the beginning, actually, yeah. was to oppose the Soviet Union. And eventually, with the collapse of it, they saw, all right, the threat is decreasing, so now we can take care of other global affairs. That's why we have other interventions around the world, Kosovo, Libya, etc., etc., right? But nowadays, it's going back to its origins, kind of, to also be uh, its main sole focus right now is against mm -hmm. Russia, really. Especially after pulling out of <coughs> Afghanistan, right? I would say, I, in what you asked originally there, it actually can be both. It can be seen to justify Russia's concerns because now they have more NATO members right on their doorstep where there's increased military presence. Uh, there's more chance. They will, they will perceive maybe more chance of an incident with NATO forces. Mm -hmm. But that's just from their perspective, I think. They have obviously a Russia-first perspective on security. They look at where they sit in the world and they see NATO coming towards them. But I don't think that's necessary, necessarily legitimate uh, because of the fact that NATO, first and foremost, is a defensive alliance. For the second reason, you said these countries, these smaller countries, feel this, this overarching threat from Russia as their biggest threat to security. Mm. And so that's, from their perspective, they're joining because they want that guarantee. And from Russia's perspective, this is seen as an encroachment of NATO onto their doorstep. So 
I think it sort of exists in both realms of realistic uh, expectation, depending on the viewpoint of where you're looking at it from. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure if we speak to a Russian person, they have a very different view of NATO than what we would. And this subsequent joining of Finland and Sweden, I don't know, they will use it as an example of their fears that Ukraine would have joined NATO eventually mm-hmm. as well, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think here is very important, like, I understand, like, depends on your ideology or your point of views and everything. You might support or be against NATO enlargement or not. But if we go back to the roots, right, it's a sovereign country taking the decision of whether to join mm-hmm. a military alliance or not. So if my sovereign country, Finland, wants to do it and it has a democratic, legitimate government, well, I'm sorry, there's nothing Russia I agree. or anybody can say about it, even if you feel concerned about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how it is, you know, like it's a sovereign country with a legitimate government. It's a democratic one and they chose the decision. It's got to be respected internationally, right? Mm-hmm. You might say it will pose a threat and everything well, if an, I'm right. An escalation potentially of it tensions. That's, well, I, that's I actually, the main argument. I actually really disagree with you on that because countries don't operate so isolated every country cares about what their neighbors are doing Mm. if mexico was to sign a military alliance with russia you would believe that the united states would want to intervene and would stand up strongly against it or any other country or cuba say in the like or any country in the world if their neighbor was signing a military agreement they would have an opinion on it Especially if they weren't part of this alliance. And see it as a threat. And see see it as a threat. Even if it wasn't directed at them. And this one is. So, I do agree, but I I still agree. Does it give you the right to change it? Does it give you the right to tell you what the neighbor should do? That's my main point here. Is like, if your neighbor chooses to arm themselves and be friends with other people, you have no right actually to tell them what to do. You can negotiate with them. And that's why we have like places like the United Nations and so on, to de-escalate conflicts and everything. But I think the key point from the from the Russian narrative, and this has been highlighted by the war in Ukraine, is like, no, 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 Ukraine is going to do this, we cannot allow it, and we are going to, to intervene, sorry, to prevent it. Mm. That is when you break kind of the law, international law in this regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think, just say, I mean, I completely agree that like the way Russia went about it is wrong, of course, mm. but by saying like countries can do whatever they want inside their own borders and we just have to accept it, like that's just going to lead to more trouble because then countries can start building up their militaries enormously and then that's threatening other people, sure. so they start and it's going to be an I'd arms like to, race. I would like to chip in precisely what you're saying there, Alex, is like, I mean, uh, this is something that uh, it's called um, the Tukiridis trap. In the end, like when you don't have that communication with your neighbor mm-hmm. and you are basically escalating, escalating, escalating until a point where the war erupts because yeah. there is no other situation for it. There is no, there is no other. So, um, do you think this uh, decision uh, will force Russia in the near future? to take another step of action that might not be just in Ukraine, for example, to counterbalance that uh, that enlargement in a way? So, if I may briefly touch, um, back in the day when the decision was announced of Sweden and Finland joining NATO, the response from Russia was like, we will raise the same threats that mm. are raising uh, for us, but it was very specific on an operational basis. In this regard, it's like, if there is a military base, a new military base from NATO, 
uh, in the in the border close to Helsinki, let's say, and close to St. Petersburg, we will put a military base there. If mm -hmm. you deploy missiles here, we will do it. If you do a, a naval exercise, we will do it again. Mm -hmm. So the response is actually more reactive than proactive. And mm -hmm. if we think about it, where... So if I take your question correctly, it's like, would Russia also expand its military allies, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think it can really can, because his fear mm -hmm. already is already very solid. And the intervention in Ukraine actually was kind of to keep it, in a sense, mm -hmm. rather than preventing. So it's always a reactive mm -hmm. and a very limited sphere of influence that they have. But for example, we can have, uh, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I was thinking more, for example, in... Uh, Russian uh, clear intervention in, in Central Asia, for example, they uh, mm. the Russian troops enter Kazakhstan uh, under call under the call of the Kazakhstan uh, yeah, president. Uh, but now this happened some months ago, and now recently, what we've seen is actually the opposite. What we've seen is the Russian pre is, uh, the Russian president and the uh, uh, Kazakh president actually getting into a dialectic uh, confrontation uh, during some meeting, uh, Putin saying openly, what is this country? This is, uh, this is the Russian right. empire, you should know your place. So um, do you see, for example, that as a response, in, uh, as a response to Finland and, and Sweden joining, for example, a tighter, a tighter grip of uh, the Russian control over Central, Central Asia, for example, to try and, and, uh, and counteract there? It can be, and I think it, it will depend a lot on the results in Ukraine, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, we need to keep in mind the, the 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 strive of Russia. Like their goal actually is to to show themselves as a global superpower, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. To become again this global superpower. It's not so much about Ukraine and everything. So, in the role of global superpower, you need to take care also of your neighbors in the south. Mm -hmm. In this case, Kazakhstan and everything. We can therefore kind of uh, anticipate in the long run this small, as you say, dialectic confrontations and Russia trying to assert more their dominance and their leverage towards these countries. Which is sometimes it may seem interesting, but it's not that big, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kazakhstan has a lot of economic influence also inside Russia. So mm -hmm. the negotiation here continues to flow in this regard. But I think I agree with you in this regard that Russia will try to yeah, sort of... I mean, I think it really comes down to how we view the nature of Russia. Is it kind of like expansionist? Is it just trying to grow its power again? Like there's still a big question around why exactly Putin went so far like in Ukraine, why they tried to take more than anyone expected, why they went about this. These are still questions we don't have answered. And so I think trying to predict the future is a little bit difficult because we don't even properly understand what's going on now. Okay. May I? May we go? We were a little bit purpose outside, but mm. I would like to go. What is going on within NATO for this to happen? Mm. Well, as we know, basically all every country was in favor except uh, of uh, of Finland and Sweden to join NATO. But there were remarkable uh, problems during the negotiations, namely with Turkey, because of the Finnish and Swedish, especially uh, Swedish support to uh, to Kurdish groups that are taking that the are PKK. in the, in the mm -hmm. PKK and well, also other Kurdish groups mm -hmm. basically that are considered like terrorist groups by, by Turkey, but that Sweden has been namely uh, aiding them in their, mm -hmm. in, their, in their situation in the Middle East. They were aiding them against, uh, against uh, ISIS. And uh, in, the, in the trilateral agreement in the end, with uh, this support for the Kurdish is still 
not taken out of the table since uh, that was what the Turkish uh, representation said that uh, these two countries will not support the Kurdish anymore. Whereas the other two representations said, well, this is something that we still didn't say. There is a principle of agreement, but this is something that we still didn't say. So namely this uh, position of Turkey, Turkey has also been a tough negotiator uh, with the European Union in matter of, uh, of migration. There is a current uh, conflict of interest uh, due to energy, energy, energy resources, gas resources in the Eastern Mediterranean. Turkey has been brokering, trying to broker peace agreements or at least agreements between Russia and Ukraine on its own without NATO, without mm-hmm. the NATO umbrella. How do you think that uh, because of Finland and Sweden entering, uh, we are seeing a more robust NATO in a way? But do you think that this positioning, this strength that a country like Turkey may have uh, in denying the entrance of Finland and, and Sweden to the to the alliance, do you think it's uh, it's something that is going to stay there? Is it something that NATO will have to learn how to be that united as they seem to be, knowing that Turkey is at the center there? Or do you think that in the end, because of being part of the alliance, the, it will just grow all together? I would start just by saying, in my opinion, I think it's Turkey sees in this moment to be opportunistic. Basically, they see it as an opportunity for them to exert pressure that they have wanted to for a long time, but mm-hmm. have not necessarily had any leverage to be able to do. So they are using their veto powers within NATO, potentially, to exert this wedge issue, which is, for them, I don't even think it's a massive issue, but I think also we've got to remember that Turkey's coming to elections next year and Erdogan is under a lot of pressure in the polls. So I think a lot of it is posturing for a domestic audience uh, to try and show Turkey as a strong power within NATO. Um, I don't necessarily, but I don't necessarily see it being a long-term uh, power grab within NATO, mm-hmm. say, as mm-hmm. you as you describe yes. it. I think they're using this one case at this specific moment to try and get additional power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I really agree. I think, like, as we kind of said, um, Finland and Sweden joining NATO is a bit symbolic. I think this is also symbolic and they haven't made such crazy demands it's kind of like a small power grab it's not like a huge Mm. issue it's for them to get uh like domestic support popularity so yeah i don't see it being like a huge shift in the things they're just taking up i think actually the disagreements within the alliance have have always existed in this mm. regard mm-hmm. and uh, to to really get a, a recent example since we were discussing about ukraine the threat that russia represents is not seen the same by poland as mm. it is in france mm-hmm. as you can see the french mm-hmm. perspective is like let's try to negotiate you know let's try to talk with putin and so on and so forth while poland has a more like actually uh, it would be a nice conversation to have yeah. the role of macron as a broker in of agreements because <laughs> for instance there you go <laughs> because it seems like he keeps on going to places making agreements but then he comes back and well lovely, yeah. changes, <laughs> lovely pictures that, that's diplomacy i guess sometimes <laughs> yes. you know? yeah. so in the end i think turkey has a very special role in mm-hmm. the in the in the alliance so mm-hmm. we we can't really compare it too much with the others Mm-hmm. And disagreements with them will eventually continue to exist. I don't think the alliance also was very supportive, let's say, of the policies that Turkey was conducting in northern Syria, northern Iraq either, mm-hmm. but they still accept it because it's a really necessary and key component of it. 
either we want it or not. Mm -hmm. So Turkey is also aware of it. And as you, as Ronan mentioned and Alex too, they pursue their own local, especially for Erdogan uh, with the elections, but also their strive for becoming a regional geopolitical mm -hmm. power and be seen as that. You know? mm -hmm. So yeah, in this regard, I think the discussions will continue within the alliance. But eventually, the common the common goals or the common idea will, will prevail, which is like, let's all keep our own security, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay, now I want to pose, uh, we're still talking about uh, the alliance in itself and how will it react to this uh, integration. As far as now, uh, Sweden and Finland, they are not integrated still. They're in the process of integration. They're mm -hmm. still waiting for the ratification of all the, of all the national parliaments for their accession. As of today, still Greece, Hungary, Portugal, Slovakia, Spain, and Turkey have not um, have not uh, ratified the the Finnish and Swedish accession. I would like to to pose the the following question. We were mentioning that the that the Turkish government it is a negotiator and is pushing for its own uh, for its own geopolitical ambitions, with even within uh, common ambitions with NATO. Uh, then we have uh, the example that. We have the situation in Hungary, where uh, the Hungarian government, current government, is namely in favor of uh, of like it's got really close ties. Let's put it that way with uh, with Russia, mm -hmm. with the uh, and with uh, the Putin's government. Uh, also, uh, we are fa we're gonna face elections in Italy, where it seems like uh, Fratelli d'Italia, which are uh, far right uh, movement, they seem to have the upper hand in the elections by far. Uh, and they have a much black perspective on on on, on Russia, and uh, they have a much clo much closer ties with Russia. Do you think these movements that are that are within the the alliance will, on the long run, be a problem for the security mm. for the security struggles that the alliance may face, or do you think that these countries in the end will come together in case there is a there is an actual escalation of uh, of hostilities and or things like this? So I think um, the important, so the alliance, everybody, not everybody is equal in the alliance in the sense of their, mm -hmm. their influence, right? So the United States is not the same as Estonia, for instance. And the important part here is what the U.S. says, what the bigger contributor says, that can set up more or less the line for the alliance to continue. So it's a good point when you mentioned that, all right, perhaps in Italy we have a far-right government that is not so keen on supporting Ukraine and maybe has a better attitude towards Russia, etc. right? Mm -hmm. But if whoever is setting the trend in the alliance really continues in the in the current one, which is like, we really should stop Russia in the aggression of Ukraine, etc., etc., mm -hmm. I think eventually that goal will prevail. What I think it would be more concerning is we start seeing these type of governments, not only like in Hungary or in Italy, but especially, let's suppose one day Germany, let's suppose mm -hmm. one day Poland, even though Poland has a very, um, already embedded like entrenched approach towards Russia, right? But mm -hmm. uh, and especially the United States. So if we see the changes happening in some other places, then it can really shift the priorities of the alliance and can benefit Russia in this regard. But so far, I don't think that is the case. And having Italy, while it might be concerning, for instance, it will not really have a major impact, in my opinion. I agree with that. <laughs> yes. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah, I think like we mentioned in the beginning, like before a year ago uh now i lost my point that <laughs> like nato wasn't super popular that we saw it kind of fading out and then this happened and there's a lot of support for it i don't know like five years from now that there will still be this kind of support or like we saw like there could be a president in the u.s that's mm -hmm. not in favor of 
NATO so much it's because mean as much yeah, as the US was. and so then I think that's that could be like a big change, but that seems unlikely to me <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that the US wouldn't support a military alliance like this. I mean, because of the embeddedness of the arms industry in sure. the US, but that's a different. That's a story for a different. That's a story for that's a different story for day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, we should really discuss one day because exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That could that could really. Do. Yeah. Well, okay, guys. Uh, I think it's been a really nice talk. I'm really happy that you shared all your ideas, and I hope our our listeners will get a not just a glimpse, but also some different positions on the topic, so they can discuss, they can whatever, they can put it in the they comments. They can form their own opinions. They yeah, they can <laughs> yeah, form exactly. their own opinion. They can tell you or me that, uh, You're wrong. that we You're were wrong. wrong. <laughs> it is fine. We, we can, we can yeah, This is going on the internet. Of course, everybody's wrong on the internet. <laughs> in any case, uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Fede, for being here. Thank you, Juan Francisco. Thank you, Alice, for being here. And thank you, Ronan, for, for coming, for, for being in the podcast. And uh, thank you all. As usual, <laughs> as usual right? <laughs> and thank you all for listening. Uh, this is all for the Yogolitical Pickle of today. We'll see you next week. Sounds good. Mm. Thanks for tuning in, the Yogolitical Pickle. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we look forward to seeing you next time. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram for more behind the scenes content. And subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Thank you and see you next week.